Okay, all right. <laughs> Let's go. Welcome to your sixth beer supervision, the podcast where we learn about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. My name is Aaron Rajamani, and I'm here with my co-host once again, Jesse Richardson. How are you, Jesse? Aaron, I am doing so well today. Um, as I mentioned last week, oh, well, it wasn't really me who mentioned it last time, was it? It was Justine. She kind of uh, ruined the, the surprise for us, but we're, we're recording at a brewery, aren't we? Amazing. Oh, I'm so excited. You hear the ambience in the air. That's very cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got in front of us um, a fresh beer as well, which we're going to be yes. talking about, brewed right here. Yes, so we are at the Borough Brewing Co. in Curram Borough, um, which is in, oh, that's like south, southwest, yes. southwest Gippsland, isn't it? Yeah, some of that. Yeah. South, south is Gippsland. Around there. Yeah. Well, it's country Victoria. Um, yeah. And so we decided... Um, COVID-19 restrictions have lifted. Uh, we thought we'd do our bit for the local community and get around uh, <laughs> yeah. drinking some local beers. It's a real sacrifice. And uh, <laughs> really giving giving back. Yeah. <laughs> but we are very thankful to yes. uh, the brewing company, uh, Borough Brewing Company, for letting us record here. It's yes. Very exciting. And yeah. Uh, hopefully it's just, yeah, a bit of fun. We're good. Yes. Well, the chats I had with the, the owner here at Borough, Borough Brewing Co., Phil, were more than entertaining, so I, I, I can assume that the quality of this this experience is going to be just as entertaining uh, because we're we're recording here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so this week, um, we have a brand new and very exciting guest with us as well. Um, we have. My good friend, Natalie Alfonso. Hello. Hey, Natalie. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and so this week, um, our topic is going to be um, talking about working um, in mental health with a mental illness. Um, so that'll be a pretty interesting topic. I think something that um, we're going to learn so much about as we talk about it and something that hopefully um, we'll learn a fair bit about. Um, but Natalie, how about we talk a bit about you? Who are who are you, and why are you here? <laughs> Happy to. Um, I'm, I've been on the beers already, so we're going to just do our best. Um, so yeah, so my name's Natalie. I am a social worker. Um, I've worked in a few different uh, roles over the past few years. I am currently working as an NDIS support coordinator. So I'm working in the space of disability, um, but also uh, most of my uh, clients, the people I work with, also have uh, mental health, or as the NDIS language calls, psychosocial disability. Oh, right. Yeah, it's all about the language with the NDIS. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've done uh, both peer-specific roles, so where the role itself uh, is for someone with lived experience of mental illness, which I have, um, and also non-peer um, roles, so just kind of general roles, um, but you know, you do find that your experience, like any of us with anything, uh, still comes into the role quite a bit. Right, cool. Alright, um, and so, Jesse, what are we talking about and why are we talking about it? Like, why are we talking about this topic? Well, um, I, I actually think we need to, to take a little bit of a step back first. <gasps> 
Really? Yeah, like as as as, oh. as much as I want to talk about this topic in depth yeah. because I think it is a really really serious <laughs> topic and conversation How to have. Rude, we haven't we haven't even. I like, asked the question. <laughs> You haven't answered it. I'm yeah. I'm the co-host of this podcast. I'm right yeah. here. Yeah, well, well I, I reckon as the co-host, you should know that we've got to at least introduce the beer that we're going to be drinking for the podcast. Like, come on, this is, what, what what episode number is this? Like, how long have we been doing this and you're still, you're still making these mistakes? Like, look. I'm going to go solo. I'm going to do it. Gonna, uh, oh, no. <laughs> please. <laughs> so, um, yes, as, as mentioned before, we are at Borough Brewing Co., and um, we have with us uh, the fresh hop uh, ale that was recommended by Phil. And um, Phil recommended this one because, uh, as it is described here, it's a locally picked wet hopped beer uh, using Victorian hops and basic grain. Bill, uh, this is all about the hops. So, Amazing. I don't know what um, the difference between a wet hopped and a dry hopped beer is. I mean, it sounds. I don't good. know why you're looking at me. I don't know. Where, uh, <laughs> well, when, when he when he described it to us, it sounded pretty impressive. Yeah. You're like, tell us something that is good. And mm. he was just yeah. like, he just gave us this Apparently fancy. Apparently, it's local. The hops are grown just down the road, so oh. they haven't had to hop very far. Oh, oh, God. oh wow! <laughs> oh God! Oh, 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 oh no! I hope this is not like a, <laughs> a taste of things to come, because if that's the case, let's just cut right here. Sure is, Jesse. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Good, good. <laughs> oh, how about we are? Uh, that's that's a bit of a cheers. Oh yeah, for me, right, and the beers. All right. Mm. <sighs> that is wet hopped. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Mm. Good stuff. That's actually, um, yeah. You know, I like that. That's good. Yeah, no. Yeah. Right, and we will give you more thoughts coming up. So stay tuned. Excited. Yes. All right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Aaron, back to your question. Yes, please. Yeah, this um, this is a really important discussion that we're going to be having today around uh, you know working in mental health um, while while having a, a mental health condition yourself. Um, I think it's something that doesn't get spoken about enough, and I reckon post discussion in our podcast that we've recorded already, Aaron, I reckon there are like more than half of them of those post discussions that we have had have been around working in mental health while having uh, a mental health condition. Uh, And I think just the fact that that's been the nature of discussion um, after the podcast that we have been recording with, with so many of our guests, because Mm. there have been so many guests and this is number four. That's so (laughs) many. Um, I think that really speaks volumes to the, the importance of the discussion that we're going to be having here today. Um, I was, I was thinking about this podcast earlier this morning and I, I was thinking this is probably going to be the most serious podcast we're going, we're going to record, Whoa. I reckon. Yeah, or, uh, no or pressure. Topic. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, wow. I'm, I, I'm really good at, I think, uh, putting, <laughs> putting clients, no, not clients, putting uh, uh, our guests, our guests under pressure. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Let's cut that one. <laughs> a bit of a Freudian slip there. Um, <laughs> Oh. oh dear! This, how does this happen every time? I pay a lot for that sort of service. Yeah. I normally have to pay a lot for that, so I'll <laughs> <laughs> no wait times. No Good. wait times. Oh man! Does this come out of my mental health care plan? <laughs> no, this is this is just free charge. Short. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> it's been a so, long year. So. so <laughs> 
<laughs> so, Natalie, I guess putting that question to you, why in general, I suppose, do you think maybe this is an important topic to talk about? I think it's an important topic um, for a couple of reasons. The first one is um, if you actually just look at statistically, um, a lot of people um, have some sort of encounter or experience of mental illness or poor mental health at some point in their life. Um, and there's this kind of, uh, the, the idea of the wounded healer. There's a lot of people who are drawn to this profession because of their experience that they've had. Um, and so you'll actually find that there's a lot of people, uh, whether we acknowledge it or not, who are working in this field, um, who have some experience with mental health, whether it's a kind of chronic diagnosed uh, condition, illness, or um, you know, periods of their life that have uh, where their mental health hasn't um, been good. So I think acknowledging that, uh, bringing that up to the open, so it's not something that has to continue staying unsaid, um, is something that I think is incredibly important because it's yeah. true regardless of whether we know it or not. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. And- and so, yeah, so do you think that is something, um, like, you know, you, you mentioned that bringing it out into the open and, and having that discussion is something that, that is really important. Do you find there is a bit of a bit of pressure on you to not do that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, there, there's this interesting thing. So recently, over the last kind of, I would say, five years, give or take, um, we have seen an increase in the recognition of um, lived experience in this field, whether it's lived experience in mental health, lived experience in disability, acknowledging, um, you know, uh, the the space um, for people who have had certain experiences in within that field. Um, but that being said, that is still something that is developing. It's often still seen as a separate thing. So you'll have your clinical team or your, you know, your your, your professionals, uh, quote unquote, but um, the lived experience worker is a very designated specific role that's quite separate um, to everybody else, and it's not very clear what they kind of bring. And so then, if you have um, mental illness or experience of mental illness, uh, and you're not in that role, it kind of there's this kind of expectation where it's not really you don't talk about it you don't bring it in you certainly don't self-disclose to clients or even really to your workplace you kind of have to keep those things separated Mm. right okay and do you feel like your the way you would approach the role would change if that pressure wasn't there or like do you think what like in your mind I guess what difference might that make yeah I think um because I've worked, like I said before, uh, earlier, I have worked in both specific um, roles where there was actually the, the idea of self-disclosure and sharing your experience actually mm. required. It was actually in the position descriptions, a proper lived experience position. Mm. Um, and and I've worked and I'm currently working in a role where that's certainly not, you know, no more than anyone else when you talk about your own experiences. And I think if we talk about, especially if you're doing kind of longer term work with clients, case management, therapeutic work um there's always a space for um well thought out authenticity whether it's sharing your own experiences um authentic reactions to to things um and i think the 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 less stigma there is about anything the more that authentic relationship and connection um can be built with somebody yeah Mm. okay right um yeah, I suppose like it's um, is like in in terms of like being a social worker. Do you feel like um, that like that kind of um, relational way of 
working with clients and kind of breaking down that kind of barrier between professional and client is that part of what you're talking about in terms of that I think in certain roles not every role um, is that that's appropriate or if that's uh, that's asked for Um, but I think certainly um, most of my work actually all of my work has all been long-term stuff so Mm. I've never had a role where I've worked with someone for anything less than a year or two Um, right okay so I currently work with clients who have been given funding precisely because it's been acknowledged that they need that extra support to implement their goals and their NDIS funding. And that's usually at least a two to three year um, proce- uh, kind of package. Um, and in my previous role, that we I had clients that had been with us for five to ten years. Um, so you do end up kind of building um, fairly authentic connections with people okay. yeah. within that, within this professional sphere. Yeah. All right. Hmm. What was have, have you ever so when in the roles that you that weren't peer work you were kind of kind of it's an understanding that that's not something that you would talk about or disclose or yeah a bit um it's something that wouldn't um come up or it wouldn't be assumed um it, it's if you do disclose um it's always met with surprise um so that's been an interesting one so when you're okay. in a um, peer role it's kind of everyone you always have this kind of like. A sheen on you where everyone kind of knows oh yes she has mental illness you know you whisper mm. everyone kind of knows it um, <laughs> and you're like the resident you know <laughs> and, and then you uh, you know you have experiences where I'll just like minding my own business I'll have a colleague like come and kind of just like slide onto the onto my table and just be like I've just got a question about something if it's okay you know uh, it's all kind of this like thing where you're going to feel like mm. the mentally ill pet um, oh no <laughs> oh jeez um, oh wow yeah. uh, there are some really wonderful workplaces where that's certainly not the case um, mm. but there has been a little bit of that um, sort of uh, vibe um, and then it's almost the opposite where if whenever I have disclosed that I have some experience with mental illness either to my colleagues or um, to a client uh, within kind of appropriate context uh, it's always met with surprise because yeah. there's this thing of oh you can't be uh, there is there is actually still stigma this idea that you can't be competent um, professional and in certain roles if you also have mental illness mm. Um so there's, I've, I've, I get met with surprise quite a lot. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. You don't seem to. Well, that, that, that's, that's a compliment, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's meant to be. Um, and it's, uh, but it's not. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which is, which is quite. I think surprising because you, I mean, you look at the the area that we work in. It's 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 around mental health and and you know we're we're all really we, we kind of have a, a good understanding around that and and how how all of that works and operates. You, you would think that 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 stigma wouldn't wouldn't still be there. And, and you know we know that everybody from time to time, mm. um, even if they don't have a diagnosed condition, mm. go through go through moments where um, they're under an immense amount of you know mental stress. Um, and and I just think it's so bizarre that yeah, given given the area we work in, there is that stigma attached to you know having having those difficulties or, or diagnosed conditions mm. yourself. Yeah, I think was, I was I can't remember who maybe I was talking to you about this, Jesse. Just, Jessie, uh, just the gonna day. interrupt. You've got a bit of an ant on your oh, shirt. Aunt, oh god! No, no, oh no! Aunt, there it is. No, Jeffrey, no. I took care of took care of that one. Dead. Oh no, he's not dead. He's, he's, I've, I've got him. I've got him. Oh, I've got him. I think you might have. Oh, yeah. Now he's gone. Oh, there we go. Okay. 
Well, I need let's take a moment to mourn Jeffrey. <laughs> My son, he was good and he was yeah. strong. <laughs> sorry, sorry to just completely um, mess up that entire conversation we were having. Um, we'll we'll save we'll save me processing that for the grief podcast. Um, <laughs> like we'll move on. We'll press on. Um, oh man, the wind is killing me. All right, I'll cut this out. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, um, oh yeah, I was thinking. I think I was talking to you. Maybe about this, Jesse. It was that like how, um, there, like what one we've we've talked about in the previous podcast, where there's kind of like an expectation um, that you're somewhat bulletproof when you're working in yeah. mental health. Um, that if you ha- have some kind of mental difficulty with doing the work, then you should get out of it because it's not mm. it's not for you. It's not mm. you're not cut out to be a mental health worker. Um, I mean, there has been some progress. Like, I have noticed that in terms of burnout, people are much more, in my experience, understanding of that. They're like, okay, well, you know, you've done the work for a long time. You're probably tired. Take a break. Come back kind of thing. But if it, yeah, has like that kind of, I don't know, maybe deeper, more lasting, long-lasting impact on you, then it's, you know, a, a flaw in you rather than, you know, something that just is part of mm. being human and working in challenging situations, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't have much. I don't have much to add to that, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, yeah. It's like, um, what, this is like, what is your experience, Natalie, of, um, like the stigma in terms of how it affects, like, your ability to do work or people's perception of your capacity or things like that? Yeah, the, um, I would say my experience, um, there's kind of two, big things and it's interesting because um some of it's actually self-applied <laughs> um, so the, the big one that i have noticed certainly myself and talking to other people um in this field with with lived experience or you know whatnot is the self-applied pressure that you have to kind of overcompensate i think that idea of overcompensating um is very very strong if you have anything um Mm. you know so for me the ways that uh, it's effective work can be having to work part-time for example so i can't work full-time i've noticed that every time i've worked full-time um my mental health starts to drop significantly (laughs) um so i i made the decision about two years ago that working full-time was um, not not for me, not something that I could do. And so then I felt that I had to compensate for that um, because, you know, I'm kind of in my mid-20s and I couldn't, you know, why aren't you working full-time? That's what mm. everyone does. You finish, you get a full-time job, you know, that's what you achieve, try to achieve. And so I overcompensated by taking on really big caseloads. So yeah. I spent a lot of that time saying, no, 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 I'll keep my same caseload. Don't worry, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and working full caseloads, full-time caseloads on three or uh, four or even three days um, and you know working harder than everybody else uh, making sure that my outcomes were higher and the best if I wasn't the best then I felt that I wasn't worth uh, the any concessions that I needed mm-hmm. um, you know because it would be yeah, working part-time or having to take time off for appointments or just having bad weeks so if I'm if I'm unwell I've had to take you know upwards of a you know a few days in a row off, and so I feel like I have to earn that. And there's that kind of self-applied yeah. pressure. Mm. Um, even if it hasn't been, I've actually I've been extremely fortunate that um, every workplace I've been in has been extremely um, flexible, understanding, respectful. Um, I've had uh, managers who have all been 
more than accommodating and willing to to work with me but I have felt like I've had to earn that I have to be the best then I can mm. have those concessions mm. right um, and I've heard and I've had other people you know with similar experiences echo that to me before of kind of yeah you have to be the best oh, <laughs> if you're right. not the best then you can't <sighs> you don't deserve those concessions you're now a burden yeah where if you know it's like oh um, I have to take time off but it doesn't matter because I have the highest caseload the best KPIs the best outcomes yeah. and the best yeah. so I'm allowed to so, so no one can can like um, say, any, you, exactly. say anything bad about you exactly. because you outperform yeah. an employer yeah. can't go oh well you know it's not really worth it because you know they're all happy to mm. um yeah. So you mentioned though that I guess you've been very fortunate to work in in roles where your management and leadership teams are, are really quite understanding and yeah, um, accommodating of the the dif- difficulties that you that you you have and um, but still you feel that 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 weight almost of that that um, that pressure to perform better than than your colleagues. Yes. So wh- wh- why do you think that is? I mean, I think that some of it is personality. I've always been someone who's very kind of um, either competitive or, you know, <laughs> needing to kind of be best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look Can up the uh, Enneagram 3 if anyone uh, is interested. <laughs> That'll explain everything you need to know. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, I think it really, a lot of it does, it's, it, it comes from me. I think I, I, I take responsibility for that, but it's something I've, been, I've personally had to work on. So, you know, if we end up talking a little bit later about some of the advice or things that for people working in this field, that would be one of them is to kind of, you know, have a think about what you're self-applying and the pressure you're putting on yourself and kind of, you know, mm. analyse that and confront that. And that's certainly the work I've had to do. Um, but um, I think it is, you know, I wonder kind of going, well, if I wasn't like that, would my bosses have been so... Accommodating, were they so accommodating yeah, okay. because I actually have been performing? Yeah. So it sounds know. like that that fear of if, um, you know, maybe that the only reason they are, are so accommodating is because of how well you perform. Yeah. If, if that performance <laughs> wasn't there, then maybe the um, your, your, your bosses and, and management staff would be like, well, no, we're not going to be. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. I must. I have to keep going. Yeah. Even though <laughs> I've, yeah, I haven't always um, gotten any explicit indicate. If anything, I've gotten, I've had bosses being very explicit telling me, uh, my current boss actually was the first one to, I think he acknowledged that and he actually reduced my caseload, kind of almost against my right. will. He was like, I'm not doing this because I don't think you can do it. I just, you have too many clients. Mm. <laughs> you need to tone it down. Yeah. We're going to balance this out and make it more appropriate to your work um, hours. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it's that kind of conversation with them. Yeah. And uh, I... I always like want like something that I've been like thinking about is how how you go about having those kinds of initial conversations with mm. like either management or colleagues that kind of like disclosure of the fact that you're struggling with your mental health whether that's uh, an explicit mental illness or whether your just mental health is just a b- declining a yeah. bit and you need to deal with that like how 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 do you go about that in a way what are some things that maybe people need to consider before telling people about it what are things that might happen or might not happen yeah um yeah what is what's your experience of that yeah so my experience of that so i think the more the one the roles where i've been where my role has been so it was an interesting process applying for the job um that i had where i was a lived experience uh role because Mm. i actually part of the criteria to apply on the resume and on the cover letter was talking about your experience of mental illness they wanted to so like so what like you know, what's your what's your brand? You know, yeah. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> what page of the DSM are you on? Um, 
<laughs> you know, like it, they wanted you to be very explicit because that was part of the role. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the clients had that expectation. They were matched with a peer uh, worker. We're looking for the right flavour of mental illness for yeah, this role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real, though. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> what's your flavour? <laughs> flavour, you know. um, <laughs> um, But no, so, so the more interesting ones, you talk about roles where, um, yeah, so I think the, a good example has been when, um, so in my current role, when I first applied for the job, I um, had that conversation with them about my expectations about working part-time and those sorts of things, and I was um, upfront with them once I was hired um, so I was upfront at the actual interview process because for me, and this is, I, if you know, want kind of any sort of um, you know ideas, don't be afraid to be honest at the interview process. You may feel that it's best to kind of just push it all aside and deal with it later. But at the end of the day, if you do have that kind of choice and control in your life uh, regarding your employment, um, take the time to find the role that suits you. Don't um, mm. because. That interview process is not just about you trying to convince someone to give you a job. <laughs> it's about <laughs> finding a match that's going to work for you as well. Yeah. Um, yeah and like if you can do that, obviously it comes from a position of privilege if you have the space to choose your job. Sometimes yeah. you just have to take whatever job gets given to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if you do have that choice, try not to be afraid of it. If you don't get the job because the employer has stigma or anything like that against mental illness, it is not going to work out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, as, as you were saying, that, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like if, if you kind of own that in the interview, and you you maybe maybe you don't get the job, and yeah. and let's let's say it is because the the stigma's there, and they're just like we don't want to work with uh, we don't want to employ someone who has these difficulties. It's like well, do, would would you really want to end up working for that place anyway? Yeah. It's it's almost I can imagine it would almost be more. Um, yeah, motivating and, and inspiring to work for a, a organisation mm. uh, that has hired you knowing this. Yes, and that's exactly um, been exactly my experience, yeah. my current role. So, um, but that being said, I still would encourage people to, you actually still don't owe anybody your mm. story, don't yeah. owe anybody the details. If you don't okay. want to, at the moment, so my current employer doesn't know, they know that I have chronic illness and they know that I ex- have um, experience of mental illness, um, but they don't actually know the specific diagnosis or anything like that. Right. They don't know my treatment history. They don't know if I'm on any medication or not. They don't know the actual specifics of what that looks like mm-hmm. um, because I chose to go, well, actually, I don't owe them those details. Mm. Um, and there is, and there will be different experiences for people depending on what your flavour of mental illness is. Um, <laughs> so if you are someone who has a diagnosis or an experience that is slightly more stigmatised, um, you know, a lot of people maybe perhaps might be more understanding of generalised anxiety or depression mm. compared to psychosis, right. yeah. yeah, for example. So you don't actually owe anybody your full story or your details. Yeah. Um, so, you know, by, by encouraging you to be honest and kind of uh, find that match for you, you also don't have to tell them everything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. You know, and I really, really kind of strongly encourage that. Um, so, yeah, my, my, for this employer at this time, I chose to tell them, hey, I have some, I have some shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, that will mean uh, I sometimes have to take time off at the last minute. I will sometimes have appointments that are unavoidable that will land during work hours. I will sometimes need to leave early, you know, and I just went, this is my deal. How's that going to work for you? Um, And unfortunately, you sometimes have to have that conversation multiple times. You might get a new manager. So I got a new team leader earlier this year and I had to have that conversation again and say, Mm -hmm. hey, this is what I talked about with the last one. Let's talk about it again. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, the, 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 the summary would be of that. I encourage honesty and authenticity um, to find the match that works for you. You don't owe any, but you don't owe anybody anything yeah. that you don't want to tell them. You can just yeah. not tell them at all. If you can find a way to work and that's what you need to do at any point in time, yeah. You don't yeah. have to. And I remember we were talking about this before the um, before the podcast. We were mm. discussing what we were going to talk about. And yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting how you talked about how there's this kind of um, uh, not an expectation, but kind of like a, um, a way of thinking about disclosure as kind of your empowerment, as in like mm. yes, yeah. Mm. Um, whereas that's you know that's not a requirement. Yeah, yeah especially in the peer workspace. Um, and if you kind of get involved with some of the uh, consumer professional uh, space and community, which I've done a fair bit of stuff in, um, there is a little. And I don't see where it comes from, and I think it's a really good thing. Um, but there is, yeah, the other pressure of no, no, you have to one hundred percent own your experience. You know, everybody, you shouldn't hide from any of the details. You should be a hundred percent comfortable and honest, telling everybody everything. Um, I don't subscribe to that either. Um, yeah. really the short of it being um, you don't owe anybody more or less than what you are comfortable at any point in time giving it's extremely mm. personal there are different experiences within the mental illness community um, there are more and less stigmatised experiences of mental illness so you need mm. to kind of figure it out and like before it is actually quite a big privilege being able to suss all of that out and decide that for yourself yeah. a lot of people they get a job because they have to yeah. <laughs> and they take the job yeah. that's available to them there may not be that many options and so someone says I will give you a job in your field you say yes thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like money in my bank account please <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like you know new graduates is a great example yeah. they need a job they've got yeah. student debt <laughs> they've got no experience yeah. someone offers you a job you take it. So, you yeah. know, I don't want you to feel that, um, yeah, I want people to feel that uh, sometimes you do have to find yourself in a less than ideal situation. Yeah. And then there are other things that you can do to help. Sounds like something that you, Natalie, have done quite a bit of reflecting on yourself around what you're comfortable disclosing and, and how that works for you. Um, and it sounds like, you know, maybe for, for any of our listeners out there or any, any people, you uh, you know, maybe who are new grads or, or, or close to finishing, uh, would, would you encourage them to, to reflect on that as well? Yes, absolutely. The, the kind of truth of the matter is that if you experience, especially if you experience chronic mental illness, you have a kind of chronic condition. Um, it's not that, uh, like, you know, we talk about the difference between um, a, some, an event that's happened that has caused poor mental health or, yeah. you know, um, a family member has just passed away or let's say this year, something stressful, you know, compared to a kind of chronic illness that is you know, almost separate from that. Um, especially if you experience chronic illness, um, you do have to deal with it. You yeah. have to think about it. You have mm. to consider um, how that is going to affect you, what the impact of that will be on your life and on your... Um, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yeah. your uh, clients. Um, mm. You owe it to the field to do that work. Yeah. And, just, yeah. and again, as, as you're saying this, I'm just thinking at the same time, it's like not even... Yeah, just for, for diagnosed conditions or, mm. or chronic chronic health conditions, it's uh, it, yeah, every, everybody. Everybody should uh, working in mental health or yeah, just just everybody. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Should yeah. be should you be should having be that. Yeah, re reflecting on okay, well, how do I know when I'm not okay? What are, what are some of those signs that maybe I need to tap out for a couple of days? Absolutely. Um, have a bit of a break, recharge, so that when I come back, the quality of service I'm providing my clients mm. is is something that I know within myself is. Mm. 
is good. And that's something I think people have, like, we talk about, uh, talk about, you know, a little bit before about the expectations we put on ourselves to perform and earn our right in the yeah. field. Um, one of the things that I think people have to learn from people with mental illness working in this field mm. is that we have um, often such a strong self-awareness. We have done a lot of therapy, <laughs> a lot of self-reflection. Um, we know our boundaries. We know our limits. We generally have very good uh, self-care strategies. Um, people can learn from that. Um, yeah. Working in this field, because you have to, to work healthfully and long, with longevity in this field, you have to be extremely mindful in your practice and um, have very good self-awareness um, and knowledge of yourself. I think that's something that everyone in this field yeah. needs to have a very strong grasp on yeah. um, and could really learn from people working um, in this field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I yeah, it took me a long time to learn to do, even, mm. and I'm still definitely learning mm. a lot about it, but it's, um, I think, early on in just working in general I would just power through and just be like yeah. this is this is just the job I've just got to get used to it kind of thing and only ever take a sick day if I was like physically unwell or something like mm. that but yeah but as, as the years have gone on I've definitely been like okay well I'm feeling really anxious about going to work today maybe I should just take a sick day and just be better prepared for future days rather than just increasing the anxiety and getting yeah. worse and worse and spiraling <laughs> to, be, to be fair <laughs> though, relatable yeah, to, to, to be fair to Aaron I reckon uh, if I came into work and dealt with the crap that I put on Aaron every day uh, <laughs> I'd be pretty anxious as well yeah I need uh, I need a Jesse day please <laughs> Job swap. It's good for my mental health. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to add that to my EBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good. All right. Um, yeah. So, um, have we covered that question? The next one we ha- I had was, what are some of the considerations working in the field of mentalists. Have we covered that or is there more specifics we can... We've covered about? it a bit. I could probably mm. give a, some more specifics if you yeah. wanted some well, specifics. Yeah, maybe yeah, some like practical tips. Yeah, maybe. some practical tips. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so talking about uh, yeah considerations for working in the field with mental illness, um, I think the, the main things I would talk about are self-awareness, uh, like knowledge of self. So know what mm. your boundaries are, what your triggers are, um, what your strengths are. Uh, what your weaknesses are. So basically knowing uh, how far can I push? Um, what are my strengths? What am I building? So when I'm having kind of um, a bad time or if I'm doubting myself or, or, you know, struggling with kind of my space, thinking about, okay, well, what am I actually bringing into this? And knowing that really concretely, I don't care if you have to write it down, <laughs> what do you bring? Yeah. And really rest on that because you'll need that on those days where you are doubting whether or not you have a place in this uh, work. Um and yeah, knowing your boundaries, knowing your limitations. Uh, I know that there are certain types of uh, um, types of clients, uh, client experiences, and things that I can't work with because it's too closely mirrored to some of my own traumas and stick yeah. uh, um, and uh, triggers. Mm. Um, and so I know that okay, if I work with a certain type of experience, that is going to kind of not. We, we could be seeing some mirroring and some kind of yeah, transference yeah. there happen very, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there are certain clients that I won't work with um, or the experiences that I won't work with because I don't want to make it, you know, um, experiences that mm. I won't work with. Um, knowing, you know, like I mentioned before, can you actually work full time and be honest with yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Working four or three days is fine. <laughs> you are no yeah. less a good practitioner. You are no less worthy of this field if you cannot work 
five days a week. Um, think about, you know, when you say, okay, well, let's work part-time, think about what that means. Do you mean working a little bit every day, taking a midweek day off, long weekend? Think about those practicalities of what actually brings you uh, rest, what brings you joy, what brings you uh, balance, um, and, and seek that out. Um, and then those, we talk about self-care, and I think for some people, self-care can elicit uh, bubble baths, a glass of wine, a face mask, um, you <laughs> yeah. know, whatever it is. I know what I'm doing when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, face mask, uh, bubble bath, yeah. and a glass of wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all of those things are extremely good. I think there's something about kind of um, frivolous pampering um, and physical self-care, which is very, very important. Um, but I would also encourage thinking about self-care um, in much more concrete ways and really being extremely honest with yourself about what works and what doesn't. So, for example... Ten beers. No. No, yeah, no. We wouldn't, we wouldn't endorse ten beers as a good, no. a good self-care coping strategy because that would be irresponsible drinking of alcohol. Absolutely, which and we do not endorse on this podcast. We do, you've been listening... That's very good. Well, so speaking of alcohol, um, I, for example, do not drink on work nights mm -hmm. and I do not drink uh, if I'm in a bad mood. So if I'm not feeling good, if I'm, I know there's been a long day, especially if it's been a long day, that's when alcohol is removed off the table for me. Mm. Um, because for me personally, I have gone, whenever I link anything like that to something negative, that's where all it does is amplify those negative experiences. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, another and, and thinking about those little boundaries. So, uh, uh, just a funny boundary that I have is I do not play video games on work nights <laughs> because I, I find wish, it. <laughs> I wish I had that self control. Yeah, yeah, because I was I realized that it was way too high stimulation. So I went to bed feeling like my brain was you know seizing, um, and I had very poor self control to put it down at the appropriate time. Mm. So I was going to bed at like twelve o'clock, one a.m. Yeah. and my brain felt like it was on fire. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, this is the first... This, Natalie is very new to... The Extremely new to gaming. To gaming. And so she's never experienced the intoxicating highs of video gaming. And so and she's... And it's a lot. And I have to put that boundary in place. Yeah. She hasn't been desensitized yet. <laughs> so find your boundaries. example but the, the serious point is find your find your limitations find your boundaries be honest with them it may not be like you know face masks and, and bubble bars are more glamorous the less glamorous boundaries that are actually the ones that are effective are the no video games on tuesday nights and you <laughs> yeah. know no alcohol if you've had a crappy day yeah. whatever yeah. your version of yeah. that is mm. find it uh be honest with yourself it may not be you know may not be fun may not be sexy but they are the boundaries that work and provide you with the balance that you need throughout the week um, I'm, I'm just going to go right ahead and say that go. I think self-care is very sexy. <laughs> it so, is. Um, <laughs> yeah, get on, get onto that. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think that's um. Drink really, your water. Yeah. Take your medication. You yeah. know the unfun stuff. That's it. <laughs> no, that's super super insightful. Thank you, thank you, Natalie. Yeah. So I think I think those mm. are the specifics. So yeah. Yeah. Um, be honest with yourself. Have be aware. Have those conversations with the people around you. Know your boundaries. Yeah. Be kind to yourself. You also don't have to be the model of perfection. You can actually play video games on Tuesday nights, have a drink, have a really bad work day, have a bad mood, trigger an episode. You'll be fine. You'll recover. Right. <laughs> you know, that's not something your manager's going to tell you. <laughs> no, but I will. Yeah. <laughs> you can be... <laughs> you don't have to be a model mentally ill person. <laughs> you can mess up. <laughs> 
I'm going to be the best mentally ill person yeah, I can be. Exactly. Similar to the thing of having to earn your you know, respect in the workplace, it's a thing of like, I, I'm allowed to be mentally ill as long as I'm the best mentally ill person who's ever existed. You know, <laughs> yeah. I am perfect on my therapy. I'm perfect on my medication. I'm perfect on everything I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, you don't have to do that either. You can just be a bit of a shithead to yourself every now and then and mm. you will be and you will trigger whatever it is that you're being triggered on and that's okay well they're the, they're the same sort of um yeah. considerations and, and concessions we, we just make to anybody exactly and that's it you know we're, we're all allowed to have those days regardless exactly. of whether or not we we yeah. you know we're do we're tracking at 100 percent, or or if we we do have some yep. some diagnosis we all have our six percent yeah. days oh yeah <laughs> Why specifically 6%? Is that a reference I'm missing? No, no, it's literally just the first time that yeah. came into my head of I have done what I need to do to not be negligent in yeah. my work. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. 6%. <laughs> I have shown up and tapped on. Yes, I have shown up. My clients are not being absolutely neglected. Um, and I have gone home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, how about we check in on how we go in with the beers? How are we feeling about them? I love this. Yeah? Yeah, this mm. is a very good beer. And mm. I think, um, yeah, there's a reason Aaron and I came to Borough Brewing Co. Mm. And um, we, we have been here before. We, we knew that they were going to deliver us some, some good quality. Uh, and they, I think the fresh hop. Yeah, I assume that's what it is that makes it good. Yeah. Well, I, we, it's really, really fun is the first time we're here. I was walking to like down to the back to where the, up to the toilets. And as you're walking through the thing, you go through, see the big like distillery and the giant like, yeah. like giant metal vats and things like that. That's extremely like, cool. Well, it's very cool. Yeah, so now um, it's, it's a good time here at Burrow Brewing Company. We're pretty happy. We're very happy that we're able to record here. So it's been a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think... Um the hospitality industry has taken a huge hit this year, and um, yeah, I think it's really important that we're that we're out here doing doing the podcast here, um, supporting local um, local business. Um, yeah, no, we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing this if we were at the Carlton Brewery. No, unless we get a unless we get a very lucrative sponsorship, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. maybe not. Also, completely gender neutral <laughs> and accessible bathrooms. Isn't yeah, really? they completely. are. Completely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Okay. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, we should cut out, I should cut out uh, me saying about the Cult Brewing Company because then we'll, we'll get sued by Pete, Peter Credlin taking me out of context, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Very clearly. <laughs> can, we, can we just, like, are we allowed to falsely say that we're sponsored by someone that we're not? No. Damn. Because I, mean, I really well, want Why would we do that? Well, you just I, live into it. No, like, I want to, I want to, like, one day just drop that we're sponsored by something completely ridiculous that you wouldn't expect <laughs> us to be, like, sponsored by. Sponsored <laughs> by the uh, one scout, one stop yeah. discount yeah. shop yeah. in uh, Karamara. Yeah. To, to, be, to be clear, we're not sponsored by anyone. Not e- not, and not even our borough yeah. brew, uh, brewing co has given us any money and we're paying for our beers. It's all, yeah. it's all above board. Well, <laughs> all I, I feel no like it would be... I, we're poor. I, I just think given, given the, the climate that we're in with, um, with the fact that businesses have really only just been allowed to start doing this again, I think it would be really cheap of us to come here and say, hey, let's record a podcast. We'll give you a plug. Oh, by the way, we want some free beers. <laughs> yeah. no. no. I'm all about paying for these beers. Can you um, imagine? Yeah, Definitely worth every dollar. Yeah. yeah. 
right. Anyway, <laughs> on with the podcast. I think we're talking about mental health or something. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more I drink of this, the more I forget what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. All right. All right. Um, so... So we've been talking a lot about the present and what things we do now. I think we want to shift gears a bit and maybe start talking about the future or things that we'd like to see. Um, so, good place to start. Uh, what are you thinking? What, where should we start, Jesse, in terms of future of? Well, I, th- I think I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to hear your thoughts, Natalie, on what you think uh, workplaces could do moving forward to help make the environment more, uh, I think, positive for people who do experience mm. mental health difficulties or, or have diagnosed conditions mm. um, to, to help them feel like that stigma isn't there, that, that they don't have to perform better than everyone else um, to, to compensate. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just really calling her out there. Yeah, no, just Jeez. add me directly next time. <laughs> Answer the question, Jesse. Jeez. I would love nothing more than to talk about this. <laughs> what do you need to have changed so that we don't have to listen to you talk about overcompensating again? I would love nothing more. Okay. <laughs> Please. I'm tired. Why? Why are you tired, Natalie? <laughs> I'm not paying you enough for that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Workplace change. Workplace. So there are two key things that um, come to mind when we ask that question. The first one, so talking about what the organisation themselves can do. um, I love policy that is extremely explicit and grounded in good virtue signalling. So we kind of use virtue signalling as a bit of a, it's a bit of a dirty term a little bit. We Mm. kind of, when we think of the word virtue signalling, we think of kind of just baseless pretending to be an ally or, you know, whatever. But virtue signaling that is grounded in reality that you actually really do believe that so if you've got a policy a position description that explicitly says this is a workplace that is flexible and friendly for disability mental illness Mm. chronic illness parents whatever it is that you need to you know um that's what I'm interested in. I'd, I'd love for workplaces to just become... Obviously, they've got to do the work to be... And we can talk about what that the concrete stuff. But um, alongside the concrete stuff, workplaces to just start being honest and explicit about it. Actually saying the words. Yeah. Not dancing around it. Not kind of... Um, you know, um, bit of a like because there's a bit of a don't ask, don't tell going going on mm. a little bit. Okay, yeah. Where you know it's, it's fine, but you don't have to talk about it. And we, you know, whatever. Just I want it to be explicit. I want it to be okay to um, for me to say I can say I've got asthma with no problems at all. No one cares if I've got asthma. Yeah. I would love to be able to talk about my diagnosis with the same level of freedom, acceptance, and um, understanding. Um, and so you know, I'd love to see the workplaces taking ownership over that and working on um, from top down, um, not batting an eyelid and being very explicit. And uh, I'm a big fan of policy. I love, um, I'm on a committee at work uh, reviewing oh, <laughs> and okay. creating uh, organisational policy. I love organisational management theory. Um, and we talk, Amazing. yeah, <laughs> policy written words on paper can inform culture. Um, You can start, a great start is literally having policy written down saying this is what we believe, this is what we, you know, 
It's a big fan of that. Um, the other thing is, um, and it's something because it's actually, again, it's something that would obviously benefit um, people with mental illness working in this field significantly, but everybody stands to benefit from it, is um, treating your employees like adults. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you I mean will, by that? <laughs> I will clarify. Thanks, yes, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So workplaces having flexible working structures in place um, that you don't have to justify or explain if you need to take an afternoon off um, or if you need to go to an appointment. So a really good example is my workplace this year during COVID. So we've all been working from home since the 13th of March, (laughs) which I remember explicitly. It's been a long time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, working from home since 13th of March. And my, uh, our employer was very, very clear that it's a difficult time. People have kids, people have, um, you know, uh, all sorts of things, crazy things going on. And so they said, you, if you have to duck out for an appointment or if you need, you've got your kid's class or if you've got something on, uh, just take it. You don't have to call me. You don't have to justify it. You don't have to, you know, whatever. Just, just, just do it. <laughs> You're in control of your own life. Your results and your clients will speak for themselves. Um, just take the time off. If you've got to take more than a couple of hours off, just shoot me a text <laughs> and yeah. just say, hey, you know, I'm taking a couple of hours off. Make up for it whenever you want. You know, my boss said, you know, if you are finding that, no, Fridays is a bit of a write-off because of the kids or, you know, whatever, then just do a little bit of work on Saturday if you want or do it in the evening. I don't, you know, just letting people have a bit of freedom. Um, especially our roles have a lot of, there's a lot of administration and flexible work that can be done. Um, why aren't we giving people the freedom to just, you know, to kind of make their own choices um, and empowering people that way so people with chronic illness are empowered to not have to ask and beg for every concession. It's yeah. built into the fabric of the workplace and it's built into the fabric of the positions yeah. um, and that everybody has those freedoms um, to just manage their own workloads, manage their own lives. Um, and I understand that there are, like, you know, my, my role is very nine to five and there is an expectation that um, my clients can contact me within those nine to five periods. Um, and obviously, if you're doing emergency work, it's a di- bit of a different story. So I'm not saying that these things apply to every single role, mm. but find your version of that within your role. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what are, maybe like, um, for, for question for both of you, what are some ways that you've um, perhaps observed or experienced um, maybe workplaces doing that poorly or maybe heard of like what what are some things that maybe workplaces give it a go but don't quite hit the mark like what maybe it's something that people can learn from that Mm. well I I mean I think Natalie what you were saying about the the right kind of virtue signaling is fantastic and Mm. putting it down onto paper but I think also Putting things down on paper and just slapping slapping words on a on a piece of policy or something like that doesn't quite. It has to be grounded. It. Yeah, yes. yeah, and and and, and I, 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 I yeah I like that how you how you use the word grounded. Um, and so going going a bit a bit more beyond just writing it down, send, sending out uh, like you know forwarding on emails and stuff like that, or or putting up posters. <laughs> Are you work. okay? Yeah, yeah. Like that's a really that's a really good example. Like yeah. let, let, let's be real here. It's like one day a, a year. Are you okay? It's like cool. What about what about the rest of the rest of the bloody year? Well, actually, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now what? Yeah. Oh no, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, that's so, not the answer we were hoping for. So more than just yeah, putting putting up. Putting up posters, uh, forwarding emails, and 
and writing it down on 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 paper and policy. Uh, I, I think. Yeah, it's, it's the the it's like the policy and the the posters and stuff are like the tip of the spear. The thing that makes, absolutely they make people aware of what's going on and promote a culture. Yeah, but it's it's what it's promoting is the thing that you're doing underneath. You Correct. Need to use that spear to drive it through the system. <laughs> And I have some thoughts on systemic things that can happen as well that would really promote good mental health in workplaces and all those sorts of things. Ooh, what a good If the people would be so interested, if the people are open to that. Um, We're talking about systemic stuff. Um, Mm. Again, practical stuff like um, enough funding for enough staff Mm. so that caseloads can be balanced and flexible and appropriate. Come on, lay it on me. More. I want more. More. (laughs) I'm obviously not naming my workplace, but my current workplace um, has had this wild thing where my my, um, manager put together a... um, actual data-based um, spreadsheets to allocate caseloads according to uh, to balance them appropriately according to complexity out so within the NDIS um, each person comes with an X amount of funding so it'll be 30 hours for this participant you know NDIS language calls people participants um, and um, so our caseloads are actually allocated according to consideration of data and balance so everybody has the exact appropriate amount of hours according to their uh, EFT and you know complexity wow. and all those sorts of things so yeah. we are only allowed so many clients that have uh, let's say 70 hours in their package um, and so many clients that only have 10 hours in their package and those sorts of things you know balanced workloads <laughs> um, how many times in this podcast are you going to lean in and yeah. yell a point I mean I'm, I'm all for it frequently yes <laughs> Good. <laughs> and I will continue to do so. <laughs> Just blow out the level. <laughs> but again, that's something that systemically, um, talking about government funding, um, talking about organisational um, funding and allocation and hiring of enough staff, all of those sorts of things contribute to the ability for individuals to then work. You know, we've all had managers that want to do the right thing by you and you want to do the right thing by you and everybody wants to do the right thing by you, but the system itself is not letting people make those choices. There are too much, there's too much need, too much work, not enough people to deliver it. Um, we can all probably think of at least two or three specific fields and roles that are chronically like that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, no matter what you do, no matter how good your manager is, no matter how good you are, it's never going to catch up to itself and actually become a balanced thing yeah. because the system is not kind of letting you. So all of those things need to... So, you know, if we're kind of going, how do you work in this field with mental health? We're talking about, you know, top-level advocacy and moving towards um, better working conditions, better pay, better workloads, all those sorts of things. Managers and, uh, you know, their organisational level doing the right thing by their um, staff with policy and procedure and implementation of that policy and procedure. Mm, yeah. um, throwing back to what you said, Jesse, and then us at the uh, doing our own work within ourselves in our own private time and in our workplace to um, work mindfully. And if all those three things are going well, yeah, that is how you end up with a happy and balanced workload. Yeah, right. Yeah. In Korea. Which is so like it's so hard to like conceive as as like an early like an early career clinician, how do you even begin to like <laughs> tackle the fact that your mental health is somewhat determined by the policies made by someone in Canberra and trickling down to what the limitations of 
the person running the organization, then all your department, then your manager, then you. Um, Yeah, so I guess it's like, well, you need to, like, I guess advocating and pushing Mm. for change is a big part of what will make... And does that not make us more aware and um, respectful of where a lot of the people that we work with are coming from, that they are subject to these systems as well and that our role is to help them navigate through this and, and, um, you know, kind of uh, advocate for them and challenge um, what might be going on for them. Um, Does us being aware that we're also being challenged by those systems Mm. and we're also experiencing a lot of those things, that that can make us much better practitioners and much better clinicians or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, Talking again about the strengths um, of working, you know, I'm, I'm a really big advocate. If there's one thing I can make crystal clear, that working, that being in this field and having mental illness is not a weakness, it's a strength. Mm. Um, I could not be more clear about that. If this whole yeah. podcast gets wiped, <laughs> that's the one thing I would re record. Yeah. <laughs> it would just be like a 10 second podcast. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. You know what? Episode six. <laughs> we should put on loop. You're doing great, sweetie, and you're a strength and an asset to your field. Yeah. <laughs> I could not be any clearer about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. We have a lot to learn from people um, in this field who are bringing their own experiences and making those balances because they are they are the ones that are changing the system. They're yeah. the ones doing the work and mm. doing the advocacy, and um, we could all we'll all be better off for it. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a fantastic point. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, that is I think that's a amazing point uh, to end on. I think that is yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we can we can really hammer home much more of a, an important mm. message. Absolutely. I think with the rest of yeah. this podcast than what what you just noted yeah. there, Natalie. Um, so, uh, look, if 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 you're happy to to kind of end the more formal discussions, yeah, there, yeah, then, um, definitely. I I think again, I I, I do this. Um, I've been doing this a little bit lately, Aaron. I've been oh. talking on behalf of you. Yeah, um, you, you in, tend to do that. In saying it's, that... Um, it's kind of rude, you know, to be <laughs> honest. Like, I'm, I am I go home and I'm like, I wish Jesse would let me speak. Sorry, Aaron, can you just be quiet? I'm trying to listen to Jesse. <laughs> um, oh, no. there's, there's a good reason uh, I do this. Oh, okay. Um, oh, please, please tell. <laughs> please do tell. <laughs> it's because I just think uh, you and I are, are very like-minded on a lot of things, Aaron. And we are. I feel like we're... I'm going to say we're in sync. Um, oh, yep. And Natalie, I mentioned at the start that I think this is a really serious and important discussion to have for this podcast. Mm. And I think you, as a guest, have really delivered on that. Um, You're so welcome. You have been <laughs> a fantastic guest to have on the podcast. This is, I think, a discussion that I've, I've myself have learned so much from. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, it's this. I've, I've done a lot of thinking in the last last hour, which <laughs> which is not which is not normal. Which uh, <laughs> for those of you who yeah who, who know me, I, I don't I don't do a lot of thinking, um, and when I do, not really good quality thinking either. Um, so, but but the, yeah, no, this I, I mean I can't even put it into words now because my thoughts are just garbage. No, yeah, um, yeah, best. <laughs> Best chat I've had in a long time. Best podcast um, ever. Good. <laughs> Good. Right. Yeah. Out, out of worst podcast ever and best podcast ever, I read it best podcast yeah. ever. And, and you know what? And, and the more I think about it, the more I the more I what start, an honor. The more I start to think now that. Whoa! 
Oh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That <laughs> I'm was, so that sorry. Was I don't endorse that. That was a joke. <laughs> you guys all did great. Wow. I'm going to cut that. I've Legitimately. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Everything um, was said except for this last section that was cut and you haven't heard. Um, yeah. I approve of what Jesse has said. <laughs> and he yes. has spoken for me. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I'd, I'd cut that out as well. Yeah, um, cool. <laughs> cool. But why don't, we, why don't we get on to the most important part of the podcast? And oh, yes. that is the review of the beer. Um, so, once again, today we are recording from Burra Brewing Co. in Currumburra, uh, which is a fantastic brewery out in Currumburra, Victoria, uh, country Victoria. I believe it, it's, yeah, it's country. Yeah, uh, regional. Re- regional. We'll go regional. regional. Maybe not country. Yeah. As regional. a Melbourneian who wasn't allowed to come here, it's definitely it's regional. definitely <laughs> regional. Um, and... Yeah, fantastic place for you to come and visit if you are um, you know, out out this way and after a bit of a feed or a beverage. Um, we drank the Fresh Hop, which is a locally picked wet hopped beer. Still, um, after that hour-long discussion, um, no more wiser on what on earth a wet hopped <laughs> beer um, actually I mean, is. This beer is definitely wet, so, so I think that checks out. <laughs> yeah. Something's wet about it. Yeah. But, so, Natalie, let's get your thoughts on the Fresh Hop. Mm. Well, you know, just uh, for the integrity of the listeners, um, I am in a very good uh, mood today, and I'm on annual leave. That's why I'm drinking. (laughs) My my boundaries are being met. (laughs) Well done, well done. Um, no, I, I think when, I, when, when we came in, um, I kind of said I want something that has just got good vibes. You know, the sun's out and we have finally been uh, let out of uh, Metro Melbourne and I wanted something that was just going to, you know, spark joy, you know, if you will. And this beer extremely sparks much joy. So Marie Kondo would be pleased. Marie Kondo would approve. Excellent. I would not be throwing out this beer. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> and... How many joys did it spark out of five? Hmm. Look, I mean, my problem is I am an extreme expert on being mentally ill. Uh, I'm not an extreme expert on beers, but I would say this is a solid um, 4.5 out of five sparks. Oh, very good. Yeah. That is that's good. That's many good sparks beer. of joy. Yeah. Wow, okay. So many yeah. sparks. Dang. Very good. Um, Jesse, well, how about you? What are you thinking? Well, um, like Natalie, um, not an expert on mm. beers. Um, hopefully by the, by the time we, we wrap up this like series of podcasts, I might, I might come up with some technical <laughs> ways of rating beers yeah. other yeah. than, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like good. The vibe of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that it's, is. it's sunny outside. That's got to contribute. No, um, <laughs> whoa. Um, um, whoa. What a, what a cool. No, no. Um, I Excuse me. Direct attack. <laughs> yes. No. No. I've actually um, look. There's a reason we we came to Barrow Brewing Co. And, and you know we we know uh, Aaron and I at least know that the beers that they brew here are quite delicious. And um, jeez, you're such a shill. Wow. <laughs> I paid for every cent of that beer, Aaron. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not a, not a paid advertisement. Um, I think I think I'm going to go with uh, yeah similar to Natalie. I, I think um, it's, uh, you're going to be pretty hard pressed to find me rate a beer five out of five uh, outside of a Melbourne bitter, but um, this one this one can have really? a nice four point five. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Cool. 
Um, my favorite kind of beer is a dark ale. And so actually, I've had the dark ale here, which is like a 5 out of 5 beer for me. But this one is not a dark ale. It's still a good beer. So I'll probably give it like a... It'll go up. 3.5, maybe 4. Yeah. Well, they're definitely beer. not going to be free beers now, are they? Oh, man. <laughs> Absolutely not. Hey. We're never coming back. Dang it. Scathing. Hey, this is... We, 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 we pride ourselves on honesty. This is hard beer journalism. I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not, I'm not going to give it an inflated rating just because I'm here. If you like... If you prefer the darker ale... Then you're not gonna give five out of five yeah. to a light ale, yeah, okay? No, he's, he's, All right. He's, I'm just, <laughs> All right. I'm just poking, All right. Aaron. I'm just poking. I'm really offended. Come here, that come you're here, man. Attacking my integrity. I mean, my confessionals. This is my second beer already, so you know, I'm already, you know. Wow, that goes against the principles of yeah, our podcast. Wait, that's that's not that's, <laughs> that's cut. <laughs> wait, <laughs> oh, okay. We, we don't we don't agree with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Save that for beer supervision after dark, please. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> and you know what? Let me tell you about mental health. <laughs> no. As a crazy person. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> good, good. Uh. Yeah, no. 3.54, good beer. We'll definitely drink again. Yes, solid. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you again, Natalie, for joining us. Yes, it has been a pleasure. You. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. It's been good. I think we've learnt a lot. Hopefully you guys have learnt a lot. And we will be back in another couple of weeks with we, a brand new episode. We will. And we are, as always, looking forward to um, to speaking with a, with another guest. Yes, another guest. Um, I don't know if we... No, well, let's not. Let's keep it a secret. Okay. Let's not even divulge anything. Because last time we even gave a, an inch, Justine took a mile. Yeah. And nah. spoiled where this podcast was going to be. So. It was an outreach. So, yes. yeah. Well, we will uh, keep it a secret this time. Let's just leave it there. Yeah, all right. Good. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see Cheers. you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Beer Supervision, the podcast where we talk about the joys of working in mental health over a cold brew. We record every two weeks, often with guests from the mental health field. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would really help us out. Or share it with someone who might find it helpful. If you'd like to contact us with feedback or questions, or even just to say hi, definitely do at beersupervisionpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find Beer Supervision on Facebook and Twitter. Our opinions are our own, the beers we drink are chosen just by us, and we don't receive any sponsorships. We'll see you next time.